Welcome back, family. This week's guest honors us with his participation on the podcast. A trailblazer of both television and film, Reginald T. Dorsey has been gracing screens for well over 30 years. As an actor, producer, social activist, and true-life cowboy, Reginald has been setting a standard for African-American actors that is undeniable. And we are so excited to be able to bring his words to you this week, so we'll know you'll enjoy this one. Without any further ado, let's go. What's going on, brother? Uh, nothing much. First, I guess, let me just say thank you for taking the time. Uh, no problem. You know, it's my pleasure, man. I'm usually flattered anytime anybody wants to interview me for anything. <laughs> no, you know what? Uh, we're actually flattered that you took the time to even uh, speak with us. Because, you know, you, your time is valuable, and we value your time. So uh, well, thank, thank you. you. I appreciate that. I guess I always like to say this. Let's start at the beginning. Um, uh, where do you come from? Where are your people from? I was originally born and raised in Dallas, Texas. And, uh, you know, that's where I got my start, not only as an actor, but also uh, as a cowboy. My grandfather was a cowboy. And, uh, his sons were cowboys and they basically introduced me to the lifestyle and the culture. Mm -hmm. And, uh, at about three years old, is when I started riding horses, and in terms of acting, it was something that I'd always wanted to do. But growing up in Texas, you know, you really, uh, you really never feel like you have access to the entertainment industry. Okay. And uh, you know, my parents split up when I was about six years old, and my mother remarried, and we moved out to California. So one summer. I guess uh, I guess prior to that, actually, uh, in the spring, uh, I had decided to go back to Texas and uh, stay with some relatives for a few months and finish up my schooling around the age of 13. And uh, my mother eventually came out to Texas, and she was working in a beauty salon one day and got some information that there was a film that was doing some casting in Dallas, and they were looking for extras. And so she decided to take me to the uh, to the interview with her. And lo and behold, the director and the producer saw me, decided to take, started taking pictures of me. And the next thing you know, they had written a part in this film called Book of Numbers, which was my first acting gig. And the rest is history, as they say. Came back to California, continued studying acting in junior high school. Decided to leave home at 16 and moved to L.A. from San Jose, California. Hustled, grinded, till I finally got an agent. And, uh, you know, things started to slowly but surely turn a corner for me. I started off doing commercials when I first hit L.A. Then I started doing some uh, episodic television shows. Good Times was one of the first ones that I did. The White Shadow and uh, a number of other shows since then. Most notably... Uh, during the 80s, I had a recurring role on the uh, TV series 21 Jump Street, and feature films continued to follow after that. Uh, the Cherokee Kid, Return to Lonesome Dove, the miniseries, as well as uh, my most recent project, Kings of the Evening, which I also produced and starred in. So it's been an evolving career over the last uh, 44 years. 
And uh, I'm glad to say that I'm still here, still grinding and staying positive each and every day. So initially starting off um, roles, how difficult were they to come by? Was, was there anything of substance or you were kind of just jumping from thing to thing looking for your, your niche? Pretty much looking for my niche. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there wasn't a whole bunch of work available to African-American actors during the 70s. Mm-hmm. So we were pretty much at the disposal of whatever the industry provided for us. And I like to say that I took the best of some of the worst work out there. <laughs> you know, and I uh, started to build a resume and slowly but surely, um, after appearing on Hill Street Blues, I decided to consciously make a decision to do work that was more in-depth, work that uh, showed my range as an actor. And so um, I decided to walk away from a recurring role that I had on Hill Street Blues in order to do that. And uh, my agent wasn't real happy about it, but, you know, I felt like that, you know, after doing so many street roles and Mm -hmm. characters, that it was time for me to... uh, to really show the industry what I was capable of in terms of range. And so I continued to seek out that type of work. And over a period of time, you know, things started to, to slowly but surely happen in terms of what my wishes were. But at the same time, I knew that to really grasp the the overall vision that I had for myself as an actor that it was going to take more than me just being at the industry's beck and call. So I had to start developing my own projects and uh, making sure that I was in a position to not only do the kind of work that I wanted to do, but also to put people that I respected to work. And, uh, you know, that eventually led to Kings of the Evening. Now, it seems like, um, as you were saying, you you made a conscious choice to pick a certain type of role. Did you feel like you were kind of alone in that or was there kind of an understanding amongst the actors of your generation that if you weren't going to lay the groundwork, no one was going to? Um, I'd like to say for me, it was more of an individual choice Mm -hmm. because, you know, I knew that I didn't want to be a one hit wonder in this business Mm -hmm. and that in order for me to, create a foundation for myself as not only an actor, but in terms of doing the quality of work that I wanted to do, that if the industry wasn't going to provide it for me, then I had to create it for myself. And so, you know, I just, I I just maintained that idea and, and really focused on it and continue to try to develop as many projects as I possibly could for myself. And, you know, um, I can't say that, that there was a mindset within the industry that was accepting of that type of uh, uh, idea from an African-American actor. Um, I remember going in, meeting with an agent one day, and I had told him that, you know, not only did I want to be an actor, but I wanted to be a filmmaker. I wanted to produce and direct my own film. And, you know, I'm thinking that, that that's something that they would want to hear. Mm-hmm from a young artist that, you know, that they're going to bring more to the table than just that of an actor. And it was actually taken in, in a to- totally different light. Um, 
the word that I got back was that they, you know, weren't going to represent me because they thought I was arrogant, <laughs> you know, for, for, for even having that type of thought. And so that was pretty much the mentality of the industry back then. Um, you know, it was kind of like stay in your place and, and you know, just just be an actor, but don't ever think about producing or directing or actually being in a position of power. And uh, I never accepted that. It was it was something that, you know, I constantly fought against and, and you know, really pushed to not only inspire myself, but to inspire those around me to think outside of the box. Mm. And not everybody, you know, necessarily had that kind of mindset. And, um, you know, I got to a point where it was like, well, those who get it will get it. And those who don't, well, you know, I hope you're content with the path that you choose. But I knew that, you know, that there was a bigger, a bigger opportunity out there if those of us who were willing to push for it would just continue the process of, of, you know, keeping our dreams and our hopes alive. And so it eventually, you know, definitely happened for me. Um, and I'm still grinding. You know, I'm nowhere near where I'd like to be in my career in terms of all the things that, that not only I know I'm capable of doing as an actor and a filmmaker, but also in terms of, of the quality of projects that I'd like to do and the range of projects and stories, the varied stories that uh, I feel like, you know, I can tell as a filmmaker. So that's what keeps me motivated. That's what keeps me hungry and definitely focused on sharing that with an audience that that's appreciative of it. Now, in all the, the years of work that you've had, what would be the most, the, I guess the most satisfying? What was it that you look back even now and say that that was the role that I was born to do? Wow. <laughs> I laugh about that because I really love doing Westerns mm -hmm. and I've had the opportunity of starring in, in a few Westerns with some really talented actors and filmmakers. Um, the Cherokee Kid, for example, uh, had James Coburn in it, had uh, A. Martinez in it, Burt Reynolds, and of course Sinbad. So, you know, that was a joy to be a part of that and to just sit around on the set and tell, you know, stories from, you know, the various films that they had been in and the people that they had worked with and, and what have you, um, as well as Return to Lonesome Dove, where Louis Gossett Jr. and I played brothers in it, um, along with John Voight. You know, I mean, I'm working with two Academy Award winning actors and we're doing the, you know, we're all in the same scene. So... Those were really great moments and uh, opportunities that I had. But my next project is the one that I think will really make me feel like, you know what? Um, I've arrived in terms of what I've wanted to do uh, in terms of a Western. And that's really where my passion is. Although I do everything else, you know, I'm still a cowboy from Texas. Right. And uh, I really enjoy doing Westerns and, and historical pieces. Uh, I like sharing the experience that African-Americans have gone through in this country and, and being able to share that with an audience that isn't necessarily educated on those things in school. So, you know, I feel like being able to, to present those types of opportunities where people can actually learn and be inspired, 
those are the things that uh, that keep me motivated. Can you tell me a little bit but more about the upcoming project? Um, it's a contemporary western, something that I wrote and I'll be directing and producing as well as starring in it. I can't give too much away because we're still in the process of uh, raising the funds for it. Okay. But uh, it's about an African-American cowboy who basically is fighting to reclaim his legacy. Um, it's a contemporary piece. takes place today. But uh, he's definitely about righting a wrong that took place in his life and doing anything and everything that he has to to make sure that not only his legacy is appreciated, but the spirit of who he is and who his family is and what they represented is appreciated. And uh, the name of the piece is called Bloodland. Okay. Well, that sounds amazing. Um, and it seems to fit with um, the black cowboy aspect of your life. Can you Can you talk a little bit about how um, black black cowboys aren't really an aspect of African American culture that a lot of people have even looked at. How yeah. hard has it been to keep that alive in your life and teach people about what the black cowboy meant to this country? Well, you know, um, it definitely has not been represented on film to the degree that it needs to be. Uh, the funny thing about being a cowboy, regardless of what color you are is that it's a symbol of courage, it's a symbol of, of loyalty, and it's a symbol that definitely travels across cultural boundaries. Uh, it's a symbol that's respected around the world. You know, there's a folklore that that is attached to what it is to be a cowboy. And so, for me, the thing about... Uh, uh, us as African-Americans, is that we had that kind of courageousness in our culture. You know, uh, the horse basically moved mankind forward. And for those of us who, you know, were part of slavery, we were the ones who were tending to the livestock. We were the ones who were doing all the hard work. And we were the ones who were breaking horses and who were tending to cattle. And these things are, are you know, what brought America into the, the, the country that it is today. I mean, you know, cowboys were moving livestock from Texas to Kansas in order to go back east so that people could eat. Um, so that symbol and, and, you know, that kind of courageousness definitely is something that, the African-American culture should be proud of and embrace. And me being a part of the Bill Pickett Invitational Rodeo has certainly provided that type of information to to the world. Um, it's a national touring rodeo that entertains audiences all over the country. And not only do we entertain, but we educate the audience on the history of the African-American cowboy. And so for me, that's been a great pleasure to be a part of over the last 33 years, as well as a number of other rodeos that I've participated in. But that one in particular certainly tells the truth about what we accomplished and, you know, what we have provided to the American West. Why do you think that it's a such an overlooked piece of our history? Because it's such a symbolic image. 
And usually when we look at symbolic images, um, especially where American icons are concerned, Mm -hmm. they're usually white people that portray those types of images. And so as a filmmaker, as an actor, as someone who is culturally aware, it's important for me to allow our contributions to that uh, iconic image. And so um, certainly, you know, I would be doing a disservice if me being a cowboy and a filmmaker, if I didn't bring that to the forefront and allow people to see what our contributions were. So, you know, again, with everything that we've been dealing with here in Hollywood, as far as, you know, diversity and uh, work opportunities, you know, a lot of racism has played into that, to be quite frank with you. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, for those of us who are part of the industry, we have to be open-minded. We have to be culturally sensitive and aware of what our past is as well as our future and bring those things to light. I wouldn't be the artist that I am if I wasn't aware of not only the American experience, but the African-American experience in this country and was willing to share that with my audience. So, again, I'm aware of it, and I continually work at, at allowing an audience to see different types of images, whether it's a cowboy, whether it's an attorney, whether it's a police officer, things that will show that we have made significant contributions in all walks of life. And that's what needs to change where film is concerned. And in doing so, you not only, like I said, inspire an audience, but you educate an audience and not just a black audience, you know, but uh, people from all different cultures to see, you know, who we are as a people and what our experience has been. Now with the the whole diversity topic, you know, the Oscars happening just uh, recently, if there was one tentpole, if you will, issue affecting African Americans in, you know, all media, not just in Hollywood, what what will be the one thing we should try and knock down first to to get our foot back in the door? It seems like we struggled through the 70s, 80s. It looked like we were going to get some piece of the pie in the 90s, and almost like we're going backwards now. Where will we start? We have to to seriously think about working together. We have to seriously um, think about contributing to each other's efforts, whether it's financially, whether it's uh, something as simple as as encouragement. Um, It all starts with us. And nobody's going to help you unless you help yourself. And I'm not saying that we don't, but I'm just saying that, you know, it needs to be a concerted effort to do more. Um, Hollywood is Hollywood, you know, and um, unless there's pressure on Hollywood to make a change, which should definitely happen, um, you know, it's going to continue its business as usual. And so we can't necessarily be, be too concerned about that until we start to build and work together and create our own avenues as well as influence Hollywood to do right by us, too. Because, you know, 46% of the movie-going audience is African-American. So we make a significant contribution to Hollywood, and it definitely needs to respect that dollar that we bring to the equation. 
one of the things that I'm really uh, moved by in terms of social media, because this topic isn't new. Right. But what is new is the fact that the audience is becoming more educated on what we are dealing with here in Hollywood. And, and so for me, that's inspiring. Um, you know, audiences just aren't sitting back and paying the money to go see all white movies where we don't exist. People are starting to be aware of, of the fact that, hey, maybe I shouldn't spend my money over here for this film that doesn't represent me. And so as, as that becomes um, more of the thought process and continues to happen, that's when Hollywood will sit up and take notice that, you know what, we need to make some significant changes. And it's starting to happen. Um, I just read an article the other day that immediately after the Oscars, um, there were certain casting uh, offices that were all of a sudden looking for diverse people to, to do projects through these companies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and that only came about because of the pressure that Hollywood is feeling right now. And it needs to continue to happen. Uh, but at the same time, again, we need to, to create our own avenues and our own lanes to do what we know we can do. Mm-hmm. And that's put money where it needs to be put, create our own uh, distribution outlets, and, uh, and make quality projects. You know, think outside the box. Stop thinking that you have to make films that Hollywood is going to embrace. Tell your story. That's the important thing. You know, it's, it's not about playing the game. It's about changing the game. And the only way that that happens is when you bring your unique story, your unique passion to the, to the forefront. And, uh, and that's really where diversity begins. I guess kind of going backwards a little bit, uh, as a filmmaker, you've got 44 years in the business, whether it be acting, producing, uh, directing. There, there's a young person out there who might listen to this podcast and he doesn't know where to start. He doesn't know how to, you know, get that first break. What advice would you give someone who has a dream but doesn't know how to get started? Well, let me put it to you like this. When I was coming up in the game, you had to actually be hands-on. And what I mean by that is, is you had to know people in the business in order to make connections. Um, acting workshops was, was and still is always an essential part of, of an actor's growth. Um, but see as many movies as you possibly can. Um, make sure that you respect the craft. Make sure that you know who opened the doors for you to even be able to walk through some of the opportunities that exist today. Uh, I find that a lot of young actors and filmmakers they don't know who who the legends are. They don't know who the people who weren't necessarily legends are, who actually made it possible for, for their their opportunities to exist. So, you know, research the history. Again, see as many movies as you possibly can. Um, DVDs today, they've got the, uh, the behind the scenes on most DVDs now mm-hmm. where you can actually learn filmmaking, you know, from the filmmakers themselves. So you don't even necessarily have to go to film school. You know, if you've got the passion and you watch enough of these DVDs and, and, you know, you actually study the craft and, um, 
you know, respected. So for me, those things are important that you actually roll up your sleeves and are willing to put the work in to respect it and appreciate it. Um, if you are, you know, someone who wants to be an actor, then study the greats. Uh, read as many plays as you can. Try to do as many plays as you can. If there's a local workshop in your community, become involved with it. Get on stage. Um, learn the different things that you need to know before you get to Hollywood. And even if you come to Hollywood, then get yourself involved in a workshop here. Um, do as many student films as you possibly can. Go to some of the universities that have film schools and try to participate in those programs as well as, as uh, you know, auditioning for, for student films and things of that nature to really get yourself familiar and aware of the process. First, I guess just let me thank you again for the time that you gave to us. The longevity you have, it's something that's not really seen as much these days. You know, there's a lot of flash in the pan actors or people who um, have got some Instagram fame, if you will. Where they, and, and that seems to be the new, the new thing is, uh, I'll just get famous from Instagram, but there's no real yeah. longevity to it. So to talk to someone who's been doing it forever, you know, as, as far as, as the young people today would, would, would put it, it's really impressive. And, and to not, not only have been doing that, but to have also sought out to have a social impact as well. That's, you know, incredibly impressive. And I just well, want to say I, I, thank you for, for, you know, for your contribution. I, I appreciate that. And um, really, the thing that has kept me engaged and, and in spite of the difficulties and the challenges that I faced as an African-American in this business is that I love what I do. I love being a part of great stories. I love working with great actors, great directors. Um, and it's what keeps me inspired and motivated. Uh, regardless of the challenges, you know, my faith has never let me down. And I've always continued to, to appreciate the craft. And whenever I've had an opportunity to do it, I was just telling someone this today, that whether I'm, I'm producing a film or, or, or acting in a film, I'm acting like it's my last job. That's the commitment that I make to it. And so those are the things that have kept me, like I said, uh, motivated, inspired, and uh, appreciative. I have had those days, years, and months where, you know, things weren't always on the upbeat. And so it was really important for me to, uh, to remember why I first became a part of this business. And again, like I said, going back to me growing up in Texas, um, I never saw the opportunities there. And it was kind of coming full circle that I actually went back to Texas and got an opportunity. So as I've said many times before, there's two things that I want to leave you with. If you really are passionate about something and you see yourself in your mind's eye being able to do that, don't believe what anybody else says. You just stay focused and maintain your passion. And God will reveal an opportunity to you. But you have to stay engaged. 
Um, one of the other things that I want to say, too, and I've said this in several interviews, but it's really important for us to, to understand the significance of this. He who controls the image controls the power. So it's really important for you to see yourself in a certain light and then to to strive to to maintain that image. And in doing so, you empower yourself, whether it's in front of the camera or behind the camera. But maintain that image of how you see yourself, and that's where your power is.